I'm praying uh, that this message is going to encourage you and empower you not to give up. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Let me read the scriptures. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, my brothers and sisters, the believers during this time in the book of Hebrews were being pressured to give up on their faith. Now, when I talk about pressure, I'm not talking about the pressure that we may go through in our modern day era. I'm not talking about uh, having a bad day. I'm not talking about people talking about you because you go to church. Uh, I'm talking about these believers were being tortured for their faith. They were being, uh, their homes were being raided and their families were being dragged out of their homes and some were killed and some were sawed in half because they stood for Jesus. And the enemy was trying to get them to give up, throw in the towel. So God writes these words. The Holy Spirit inspires these words to the Hebrew Christians to encourage them not to give up, to challenge them, to keep believing. So this leads me to the question that I want us to think about uh, in our session. Why do people give up? Why do people give up? Why do people throw in the towel. Every day, it's sad to say, thousands of people give up. They give up on their life. They give up on their dreams. They give up on their goals. They give up on their career. They give up on their education. They give up on their marriages and even ministry. Why? Why do people give up? Why, why, why? Today, through this passage of scripture, I want to identify some reasons why people give up. And the reason why I do this is to uh, open up our eyes and to help us not to be surprised when we, in, when we encounter uh, these things. Someone once said that the element of surprise is half the battle. If the enemy can catch you by surprise, then he can knock you off your footing. But if, you're, if your footing is solid, if you're, if you're standing strong, if, he, if, he, if you're ready for battle, it's hard to knock you down. So let me share with you. Let me share. Why do people give up? Number one, number one, we forget what God has done. We forget what God has done. Listen to verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. Another translation says, Since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith. What is he referring to in that scripture? The word therefore points us to the previous chapter. And when you go to the previous chapter, it's chapter 11, which is known as the hall of faith. 
In Hebrews chapter 11, it shows how God mightily worked through the men and women of, of the past. It mentions people like Noah and Abraham and Moses. And these are stories in the Bible that are recorded in the Bible, not just so that we could read uh, like a magazine, but they are recorded to strengthen our faith so that when we feel like giving up, we can look back at what God did and be inspired to press on, be inspired to persevere. We're to look back at what God done in the lives of the men and women of previous generations, particularly recorded in the Bible, and be inspired by their stories to persevere. We are to think, if he did it for them, he could do it for us. If he did it for them, he could do it for us. If his grace was good enough for them, then his grace is good enough for us. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught, get this, the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Listen, I want to remind you, this thing is the, this is the word of God. This is not a magazine. This is not the National Enquirer. It records the mighty works of God in the lives of believers of the past. And when we read them, we don't just scam over them, but we, we eat them up and it empowered, the stories empower us. People ask me all the time, they say, Brian, how are you able to endure 16 years in prison? You went to jail at the age of 16 years old, got sentenced to life in prison, did 16 years in prison. How were you able to uh, endure, uh, persevere uh, during the difficult nights and the depression and the craziness and the wickedness and the violence and the hopelessness and the despair? How were you able to endure, people ask me. And one of the reasons is, is, is because uh, I ate up the stories of the Bible. I said, I ate up the stories of the Bible. I said, God, if you did it for the children of Israel, you could do it for me. God, if you did it for David, you could do it for me. God, if you did it for Daniel in the lion's den, you can do it for me. I was arrested at the age of 16 years old, regretfully, uh, for a gang-related murder. In 1992, I got caught up in the gang violence of Los Angeles. My life went on a downward spiral. Uh, eventually in the Compton, California courthouse, I was sentenced to life in prison. I know how it feels uh, to be bombarded by hopelessness and despair. I know how it feels to be a teenager stuck in a dark place. I know how it feels to be in a place where your mama can't help you, your daddy can't help you, and even if you had a million dollars, it wouldn't make you feel any better. But I also know how it feels not to give up. I also know how it feels to call upon the mighty name of Jesus and receive his power to endure and to persevere. At the age of 17, 18 years old, I, in prison, I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I began to serve God as a teenager surrounded by chaos, surrounded by hyenas. I began to just take one step at a time, one step at a time. The Bible teaches if you draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. I remember when I was about 21 years old, I was in prison and I did something that violated the prison code, the inmates code. In fact, I was in a group of Christians. We were, there was about three of us Christians and we did something. Uh, we crossed racial lines and it insulted the unbelievers, it got the unbelievers bad, uh, mad. 
And I remember uh, that initial night we did that, uh, one of the got Christian brothers that I was with, they called him to the back of the dorm and they jumped him, they beat him up. The next day, uh, they beat up the second person. And I knew enough about math. There was three of us and two of them already got jumped and hurt. I knew that mine was coming. And it was a hard situation because I was living in a dorm with about 300 inmates. I wasn't in a cell. I wasn't protected by a cell at that time. And I remember having to go to sleep under the threat of death. I remember having to go to sleep and I'll never forget, I was quoting the scriptures and God shut the mouths of the lion and God shut the mouths of the lion. I went back to Daniel in the lion's den and then I ate that, that story up and I fed my soul and I strengthened my soul and I empowered my mind with that story in the Bible. And I remember going to sleep, quoting the scriptures and God shut the mouths of the lion and God shut the mouths of the lion. And I'm here to testify by the grace of the Lord, he got me through that situation. I didn't get stabbed. I didn't have to go protective custody, but the Lord got me through that. In part, I believe, because I clung to his word. I clung to his word. So never forget, never forget what God has done. Why do people give up? We stop fighting sin. We stop fighting sin. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Listen to what it says. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Now, the Bible uses a lot of words to describe sin. Words like rebellion, lust, pride. We are to fight those feelings when they come upon us. We are to wrestle uh, with them. We're not to sleep with them. We're to agonize over those things. We are to resist them. The book of Romans chapter 6 verse 12 says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Don't give in to them, right? Don't give in to her to wrestle them. Don't give in. Don't tap out. Don't tap out. Psalms 119, 133 says, Direct my footsteps according to your word. Do let no sin rule over me. Let no sin rule over me. People give up because they stop fighting against sin. Now, in your fight against sin, you need to be aware of two things, two things. Number one, you need to be aware of sin's seeds. Sin's seeds. Listen. I'm going to pull the covers off the devil, off his attacks uh, against us. The enemy doesn't fight us all at once. The enemy doesn't fight us all at once. Instead, the enemy plants seeds in our minds and in our hearts, walks away and lets the seed do the work. Did you catch that? The devil doesn't fight us all at once. What he does is he plants seeds in our minds and in our hearts and he walks away because he knows the seeds will, will do the work. The seeds will do the work. So you got to be careful of sin seeds and, and anything can be a seed. What you watch can be a seed. What you listen to can be a seed. What conversation you allow yourself to enter in can be a seed. Be, beware of sin seeds because it will try to wear you out. I remember I was miraculously freed from prison after 16 year, years in prison doing a life sentence. And I got blessed to work at LAX. And I would drive from North Long Beach to LAX every day. 
And I was excited just to drive. I was excited to be anywhere. And on my way back, it would take probably sometimes an hour. And I would listen to the secular radio station, uh, Power 106 in Los Angeles. And in prison, you really didn't listen to the radio because I was in the desert. So I hadn't listened to the radio for a long time. They didn't really have stations over there. So I was excited to listen to the radio. But then there would be songs that would come on the radio that would talk about partying and, and they'd talk about getting high and, and they'd talk about, you know, doing sin and stuff like that. And I justified it because I hadn't listened to that stuff for a long time. And I was, I was only in the car uh, coming back from home. And I noticed something that my mind um, would begin to wander. My mind would begin to wander. And I remember wrestling over the bad thoughts of my mind. And I, I remember saying to God, Lord, deliver me from these bad thoughts because I don't want to be thinking these thoughts. You know, I'm serving you. I don't want to be defiling you over these bad thoughts. Deliver me from these bad thoughts. And I remember plain as day, the Lord put it in my heart. He says, why should I deliver you? You're just going to put them back in your mind when you drive home from work. Why should I deliver you? You're just going to put them back in your mind when you drive home from work. The Lord was warning me about the seeds I was allowing to plant into my, into my mind, into my heart. Thank God I had enough strength to turn the dial. In your fight against sin, you also need to be aware of sin's voice. Sin's voice. Sin has a voice. Sin will speak to you. Sin has a voice. Don't yield to the voice of sin. I remember, again, after I got out of prison, I began to eat good. I began to eat steak. I never ate steak for a long time. And I would go to Black Angus and eat steak with my family. And every now and then I would go by myself. But when I went with my family, I would order this one particular drink. It was called the Hawaiian Avalanche. And it was like a slushy type drink. Every time I went with my family, I would, I would order that drink because I never drank a drink like that before. And I remember one time I went to Black Angus by myself. And Black Angus many years ago had, was dark. It had a dark scenery and there was like booths. So you would be by yourself like in a booth with high kind of seats. And I remember I was by myself and the waitress came and she asked me for my order. And she asked me what I wanted to order for drink. And I told her, um, I, I want to order the Hawaiian avalanche. And that day she said something she never said before. You know what she said? She said, do you want the alcohol version? Do you want the alcohol version? Boy, oh boy. I said, the alcohol version? Man, I didn't know there was an alcohol version. And then all of a sudden I begin to look around. Boy, whenever you look around before you're about to do something, you know it ain't right. Begin to look around and, and I don't know, just something inside of me begin to say, hey, Brian, you're by yourself. Nobody's watching. You deserve a drink. You ain't drank alcohol in so many years. Man, a little bit of alcohol is not going to hurt you. And I heard that voice telling you sin has a voice. And thank God, thank God, I had the strength to resist it at that moment. But listen, my brothers and sisters, in your struggle against sin, beware of the voice of sin and resist it in the name of Jesus. Lastly, why do people give up? 
is we focus on people and not on Jesus. We focus on people and not on Jesus. Back to Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this phrase on, in verse 2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Look at verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Listen. Focusing on people instead of Jesus is one of the major reasons why people give up. This is why people stop going to church. This is why many people uh, give up on their marriages. This is why many people get divorces and give up on their dreams. They take their eyes off of Jesus and they put their eyes on man. They put their eyes on man. Remember Peter was walking on water. Why did he begin to sink? The Bible teaches he took his eyes off Jesus. When he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. Listen, I want to remind you, my brothers and sisters. I want to remind you. People didn't die for you. Jesus did. I want to remind you. People didn't deliver you. Jesus did. People didn't save you. Jesus did. People didn't give you another chance. It was Jesus that gave you another chance. Don't let people stop you from serving the Lord. Don't let people stop you from going to church. Don't let people from stop you from fulfilling your God-given destiny that he put in your spirit because they're not the ones that saved you. They're not the ones that delivered you. Jesus did. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care what they do to me. They're not my savior. Jesus is my savior. And I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus from which my help comes, my strength comes, my power comes. In fact, I really believe the more we keep our spiritual eyes on Jesus, the more he funnels in, uh, power and strength into our soul. And he gives us joy and he gives us peace to get up in the midst of chaos, to get up in the midst of darkness and to follow him. The more we keep our eyes on him. I remember about a year after, a couple of years after I got out of prison, I was still on parole. In fact, it was a couple months after we started our church, Chapel of Change. I praise God we started Chapel of Change about eight years ago. We just celebrated our eight-year anniversary. And about two months after we started Chapel of Change, I was still on parole uh, when we started the church. By the way, I was on parole when we started the church by the grace of God. Don't ever let your situations hold you from pursuing your dreams. But being on parole, I knew that I could not go back into prison to minister while I'm on parole. They don't allow, they allow that to happen. Because in effect, when you're on parole, you're still a prisoner of the state. You just have uh, more freedom. So they don't allow you to go back in to minister in the chapels until after you get off parole and then you get special clearance. Well, this chaplain from a prison in the desert called me and said, Brian, I, we're holding a revival on the prison yard and we want you to come in and we want you to preach and share your testimony to the men. And I told the chaplain, I said, chaplain, I'm on parole. I can't, I can't go in there. But this chaplain wouldn't give up. He persevered. He said, Brian, I want you to come in. I said, chaplain, I'm on parole. What in fact, I'm on high power parole. I just got off doing a life sentence. They're not going to let me back in. They, they don't let prisoners back in. So the chaplain said, listen, Brian, just do me a favor. Allow me to sign up your name and we'll take it from there. I said, all right, chaplain, here's my name. And in my mind, I knew they were going to uh, deny me clearance. So I gave them my name and I waited. I waited. I actually forgot about it. 
and the week of the revival, a couple days before the revival, I get a phone call from the chaplain. And I notice it's him calling, and I expect him to tell me bad news. I answer the phone, and the chaplain tells me, he says, Brian, you're never going to guess what happened. I said, what happened, chaplain? He said, the warden had the list of names that I submitted to them, um, but he lost the list. He lost the list. So now he don't have time to send the list up to Sacramento to get cleared. So he told me, Brian, he said, just give me the list and I'll clear those names. I won't send it to Sacramento all for review. I'll clear whatever names you, you got because I lost the original list. He said, Brian, you've been approved. You've been approved to go back into prison. At that time, I began to fear because I was like, man, is this a joke? Are they going to set me up and take me back into prison? So I swallowed my pride and, you know, I overcame that fear. I was like, all right, God wants me to go back into prison. So the weekend came, I got dressed up. We're about to hold a revival. We go onto the prison yard and everything looks the same like I left it. Because they're cookie cutter prison, so they all look the same. So I go, I, I preach, I share the gospel. There's prisoners on the, you know, the yard. They're, they're working out, they're walking the yard like I used to walk. And I remember... It was hot. I remember I went and I sat down against the dorm wall. And as I sat down, I looked at the prisoners working out. I looked at the prisoners walking around the yard. I looked at the prisoners playing handball. And for a second, for a second, it felt like I was in prison again. For a second, it felt like a nightmare, like, man... I was back in prison again, serving a life sentence because I was in this environment that just was, was exactly how I left it. And I began to sweat. Fear began to come upon me. And I remember, I remember the Lord put into my heart that moment. He said, Brian, you think I brought you back into prison to preach to these inmates? No, 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 no. I could have had anybody come and preached to these inmates. He said, Brian, I blinded the eyes of the warden to approve you into, to come into this prison, to sit you down and to remind you of what I done in your life, to remind you of how I delivered you, to remind you of how I mightily worked in your life so that when you go and you start this church chapel of change and my prophetic word is fulfilled in your life and you begin to impact the world with the gospel and you travel around this world and you share your story and you share the gospel, don't you ever take your eyes off of me because as fast as I lifted you up is as fast I could, as I could knock you down. Remember, I was blown away sitting there in that prison yard. And I thank God. I thank God that he's given me the grace, given me the grace to keep my eyes on him. My brothers and sisters, maybe you're in a place where you're discouraged. Maybe you feel like giving up on your dreams or your marriage Maybe you feel like giving up on your family. Maybe you feel like giving up on your sobriety. I want to pray with you right now. If you are feeling tension in your heart and you feel like giving up, I want to encourage you as an act of faith, just lift up your hands towards that monitor 
towards that TV or that phone, wherever you're watching this from, lift up your hands toward that screen. And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe that the anointing of God is transferred from me to you. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all those hands that are lifted up. And Father God, I pray for a special infilling of the power of your Holy Ghost upon their life. I pray, Father God, for a, for a special baptism of the Holy Ghost in them, Father God, that you fill them with fresh hope, that you fill them with fresh joy, that you fill them, Lord God, with fresh power. I pray that you help them to get their eyes off of man and to put their eyes back on you. To put their eyes back on you. I pray that you help them never to forget what you have done. I pray that you give them strength to resist sin, Lord God. Help them, Father God. Help them, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, as we transition this morning to give our tithes and offerings unto the Lord, I want to encourage you uh, to give your best offering unto the Lord. I want to encourage you to give a sacrifice uh, unto the Lord. Uh, there is going to be on the screen four ways that you can give. It's going to be posted uh, right now. I want to let you know that you can give through our website, chapelofchange.org. Uh, go to the giving button, follow the simple instructions, and you can give that way. You could also to give on the phone. Uh, there's going to be a number up. You can text chapel to that number on the screen and it'll give you instructions on how to give uh, through your phone. If you want to give in person, we do have outdoor in-person worship services on the weekend. We want to encourage you to come out. If you're in good health, uh, I want to encourage you to come out. We have on Saturday night at 5 p.m. at Whittier Campus, Sunday at 9 a.m. in Carson, Sunday 9.30 in Paramount, 11.30 in Paramount, and then 5 p.m. back in Carson. want to encourage you to come out and worship the Lord. We are experiencing a level of revival in our outdoor services. Last week it was super cold, but so many people came out to worship the Lord. Listen, there's something dynamic that takes place when we come together in worship of the Lord. So if you want to give that way, you can come in person and give, or you can give on our website, chapelofchange.org. Now, if you want to join our online campus, we're, we're, we're launching our online campus. It's going to consist of monthly Zoom worship, prayer, and Bible study with me and Pastor Laura, as well as this weekly online worship service, a Wednesday night prayer conference call. But more importantly, um, for those who cannot come in person, we want to make sure that we're connected to you. Laura and I want to make sure that you're being fed, you're being prayed over, and encouraged. So if you cannot come out to our in-person outdoor worship service, join our online campus by texting the word online to this number 562-393-7330. Text the word online to 562-393-7330. This online campus is going to expand our Chapel of Change family across the nation. We already got almost about 30 people who joined the campus. People in Arizona, Moreno Valley, City of Torrance, Long Beach, Paramount. And I want you to join because I want to ensure that you are being fed spiritually and are encouraged during these difficult times. So this is Pastor Brian. And I'm super grateful you joined us for worship and the study of God's word. Now, it is my honor to dismiss with a blessing. Never log out 
without receiving your blessing for the week. So we teach our church family, if you're able, stand to your feet, lift up your hands unto the Lord, and we, I will bless you for this week. Come on, stand to your feet, and let's lift up our hands unto the Lord. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who helps you to, to, to demonstrate the kingdom of God in your life, may you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. This is Pastor Brian. We love you. Hope to see you again next Sunday, 10 a.m.